called shock. But now it's anger because it's like their whole world got upside down or turned upside down for no absolute reason. Nobody's going to work. They're scared shitless. And I think this discourse of appeasement and shutting down discussion of context, that kind of line of critique is designed to shut down those quantum inquiries because any self-examination on the part of Western powers is not to be allowed. You're listening to a special edition of the Labor Radio Podcast Weekly featuring coverage of the war in Ukraine. On The Rick Smith Show, Olga Lautman shares stories from Ukraine. The Working for a Living hosts establish a personal connection with Ukrainian workers under fire. And on The Dig, Tony Wood returns to discuss the current discourse in the United States surrounding the invasion of Ukraine. I'm Chris Garlock, and that's all ahead on today's special edition featuring coverage by a few of the nearly 150 shows in the Labor Radio Podcast Network. Be sure to tune in Friday for our regular show. If you like what you hear, and we hope you do, you'll find links to the entire programs in our show notes. And of course, you can find all 150 shows on our website, laborradionetwork.org. Here's today's show. Rick Smith Show. Now, here is Rick Smith. So a friend uh, messaged me today and said, hey, uh, you know, I'm hearing on the ground that Russian soldiers are, are breaking into people's homes, desperately seeking food and dry clothing, and actually, uh, in violation of the Geneva Convention, wearing civilian clothes without any markings. Uh, this, again, like I said, it's a full day of war criming going on right before our very eyes. Uh, but this is one of those things where you go, um, I'm not surprised by the situation that they're in. Uh, was now the right time to go invading Ukraine? <sighs> you got to wonder. And here to share some thoughts on what's going on on the ground and maybe share some uh, thoughts on where we're heading. I've asked Olga Lautman to come talk with us. She's an expert researcher on Russia and Ukraine. Her website, olgalautman.com. We'll get links out on social media. I can check out the work that she does. Olga, thanks for taking time for us. Thank you. So, you know, I, let's start. I know this is this is your your home country. Uh, this is where you, you, you know people there. You've got friends, family, all that. Uh, what are you hearing from the people on the ground? Not in the news media, not what's on, on Twitter. What are you hearing from folks that you know? Well, I mean, there's definitely a lot more panic, but there's also this, you know, nationalism, again, coming up that people are willing to fight for their country. They're going today. They opened the weapons depot. They went and, you know, into to get weapons. And they will, you know, they are realizing that, you know, at first it was shock the past few days. I think we're all so shocked. But now it's anger because it's like their whole world got upside down, or turned upside down for no absolute reason. And to see, you know, these beautiful cities being bombed and just, you know, when Russia gets involved, you know, they don't even have targets. They just like indiscriminately start bombing and commit, like you said, war crimes. We saw it in Syria, what they were doing, targeting schools, targeting hospitals. And now we're seeing it play out, except here, 
because it's Ukraine, people are focusing on it. And now, you know, because it's Europe and this potentially can be a bigger conflict in Europe. And they're seeing literally minute by minute plays of everything happening. Now, I, I do want to ask, you know, because, you know, I'm I'm going through and I'm, I'm listening to some of the voices here. Uh, you know, the, the Fox Channel folks, the OANs, uh, some of our political people, uh, the one woman yesterday who ran a Senate candidate campaign in Delaware, you know, saying that her, she's uh, she's more aligned with Putin than she is with with uh, with 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 Joe Biden, uh, that, you know, Ukraine's a, or I mean, Russia is a good you know Christian nation uh, that you know, we, we're good Christian mm. nationalists, too. Are you surprised that in this country there are so many people that are, are Putin sympathizers and that would justify what he's doing uh, based on religion? I mean, that surprise wore off after Trump came into power and I saw them excuse everything and defend Putin. So, no, I'm not surprised. Um, I am more surprised that there are some Republicans who are actually the more moderate ones who are working with Democrats to do the sanctions to make sure that, you know, that Russia gets, you know, the right penalties that are, and the right measures are taken to uh, go after Putin and the Kremlin. These people look, I mean, they're crazy. I mean, that's all we have to say. And the thing is, this is the fringe and they like we need to get our country back. They need to go away and it's going to get a lot harder for them when the, when I mean, with social media, with TV on it. 24 hours i mean you're gonna have you know people dying it's gonna be a lot harder for them to excuse it and you know uh as far as uh christian and whatnot i mean ukrainians also have a like right in the center one of the most beautiful orthodox churches so you know what's the difference between putin's orthodox church and ukraine's orthodox church you know Excellent so, point. so i mean it's gonna get it's gonna get um harder and that's it. And then you're going to have the few who are going to continue. But I mean, they're being drowned out. Even J.D. Vance came out. You know, who cares what happens to Ukraine until someone advised him that he has a huge Ukrainian population in his um, thing. And he came out with a statement right after and like, oh, you know, yes, we are concerned. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you'll see the wind shifting, you know, because uh, Ukraine and Ukrainians in the United States, that, that is a very huge front because in U.S., Ukrainians with some Russian emigres who are, you know, like the Navalny people and the Belarusians and Polish, they all vote as one block. So you could just imagine how much of, you know, the population that is and how much pressure can be put on, on Congress. No, I, I grew up in Cleveland, so I, I know I know the state fairly well. Uh, in Cleveland, you had a huge Ukrainian population. Uh, you had Slavic Village, an enormous population there. Parma was all Polish. Uh, you know, you, you went throughout the city and you had those pockets, uh, which are gigantic voting blocks. Uh, and I don't know why you'd want to lose them, but, but Olga, I, I don't know. And better yet, even put out a statement saying, I apologize. Or whatever his version of a policy. I mean, is a Ukrainian going to read that and be like, okay, sure, I'll vote for you? Crazy times. Um, Olga, I appreciate you taking time for us. I hope you'll come back and talk with us again as this continues. Hopefully, this is short. Uh, hopefully, common, uh, hopefully, some sense comes back to Putin and we undo some of this. But I'd love to have you come back and talk with us again. Definitely. Thank you.
Good stuff. Olga Lautman.com, the website. Make sure you check out the work that she does there. Uh, she is our Russia and Ukraine expert. Hello and welcome to Working for a Living Radio Show, where realists for change present opinions that matter. Tonight, we're joined by co-host Jeff Brown, and I'm your moderator, Leroy McKnight. This past week, through no threat or provocation, Ukraine was invaded by Russia who has threatened nuclear attack on any country helping Ukraine. There has already been mass exited by refugees fleeing Ukraine, many deaths and injuries of Ukraine military and civilians. Let us have a moment of silence for the brave citizens of Ukraine and for any and all countries that may be a target of promised Russian nuclear attacks. Thank you. We have to support these folks. They are giving guns to every male between the ages of 18 and 60 to fight against the Russians' military that's invading their country. Um, It's a shame that Putin has used different excuses on why he's been after Ukraine. The first excuse I heard was he didn't want Ukraine to join NATO. Well, that's their business, not Putin's, if they want to join NATO. Yesterday I heard he claimed that Ukraine was being run by drug dealers and Nazis. Uh, again, he's wrong. I think the young president of Ukraine is doing a great job, even though our former president tried to really put him on on front street a few years ago during what, what caused the first impeachment trial of the former president. I won't say his name, but we need to get around and help these people any way we can. We know that some are leaving and are refugees going to other countries. And for once, I'd like to see my fellow Americans Accept these refugees. You know, we we don't want to see a nuclear war come out of this, but it's possible. It's very possible that could happen. And these people have done, gone through a lot. They're hiding, living in underground parking garages because of the bombing going around the different cities. So, again, we want to support them as much as possible. So, um, I want to, while we're on the, the issue of Ukraine, I was and am in direct daily contact with people on the ground in Ukraine, and they are scared shitless. The people of Ukraine are living in pure hell every moment of the day. Bombs going off close to them, air attacks, missile attacks, long-range artillery attacks, and they are fighting like hell. There's probably no braver army military of all branches than what's going on in Ukraine today. It is David and Goliath. You hear a lot of this stuff from reporters and stuff. 
at noon our time today, 7 o'clock their time, as soon as it got dark, I was in chat with a person in Odessa, Ukraine. Now, that's on the far western side, one of the nicest cities in Ukraine, right on the Black Sea, the northeast part of the Black Sea, about 52 miles from Moldova. I was told there was just an airstrike out at sea on one of their, obviously on one of their uh, ships out there. And then they came in over the city of Odessa and the air raid sirens went off and lots of bombing and missiles going up. And it continued and then it got quiet and it was reported it got quiet Oh, no, it started again. And that went on for another 15 minutes or so. And I was asked, what does the long siren mean? And I said, that means the all clear. They've, they've dealt with them. They have stinger missiles, and they've been dealing with them. They don't have enough of them but they've been dealing with these. They can lock onto them and take them out. And they're doing a pretty good job. Their military is very brave. And the attacks from the northeast and the southeast of Ukraine have been merciless. Kharkov was announced that they had control of it around 8 o'clock this evening. Their time. That's the second largest city in Ukraine, right on the eastern border. Like I said, it's 52 miles for Moldova. When they get to the border of Moldova or Poland, currently there's a 48-hour backup. Wait, person I'm talking to is a dentist? Nobody's going to work. They're scared shitless. Russia, people I'm talking to there, St. Petersburg in particular, are pissed. They believe in Ukraine autonomy. Putin does not have the hearts and minds of his own people. But he's not above having a false flag on one of his own cities. Remember, he gassed and killed everybody in a theater not so long ago to get his way, he would do that or more. This is a very dangerous, somebody said, why is a little crybaby? And I said, this is not a crybaby. This is a very dangerous, sick, mentally demented man who happens to lead one of the largest nuclear countries in the world. Make no mistake, he's trying to drag us into this. Like I said, there's a 48-hour wait to get across the border at Moldova right now. The people are being asked, do you have a sponsor? I suggest to you, the listeners, and all of our members, if you have the opportunity and the area 
in your home to support a person as a sponsor for them to come and stay with you until they can get righted again and maybe go back home or stay, then I ask that you please do so by con contacting your congressperson. I know of no program yet, but I have uh, expressed that I will sponsor four of this person's family. So when they go to the border and they're asked, do they have a sponsor? They can say yes. They will get processed quicker. I will get a phone call and I say, yes, that's true. And they will come here to the United States and seek refugee shelter with me. I encourage everybody to try and do that. These people are just shaking. Nobody's sleeping. They're making poor decisions. And if you know anybody there, contact them and just say, you know, I'm, I'm here for you. I'm not going to leave you. They're, they feel alone. They don't feel the world is helping them. And I assure each one that I talk to that the world is on their side. And we're doing everything we can. Push to help these people. So um, I was pleased to hear the all clear. And I was pleased to hear the Kharkov was stable and uh, without in, in, any attacks. Now they, they they have it under control with Kharkov. Uh, so far, Odessa is, seems to be okay, and Kiev, Kiev uh, a lot of people call it Kiev, is, is okay. I want to thank all, uh, all of our global listeners, especially Norway. Thank you. <laughs> we got some really good fans up there. Uh, they, they've been listening for a long, long time to this. We're in our sixth year now. Uh, Canada and Mexico listeners, United States Union and non-union listeners, all of our UAW listeners, of course, if you found value in this show, please tell just one more person member about us. Have fun. Stay safe in the coming week. God bless every one of you, and God bless the United States of America. God bless the Ukraine as they're under attack. And good night, listeners, and good night, Jeff. Welcome to The Dig, a podcast from Jacobin Magazine. My name is Daniel Denver, and I'm broadcasting from Providence, Rhode Island. This week's dig is coming sooner than most digs because Russia just invaded Ukraine. Today's interview is with Tony Wood, and we discuss Russia's invasion, what it reflects about Russian politics and geopolitics today and historically, and how the left should be thinking about it all. Tony Wood, welcome back to The Dig. Thanks for having me back on. There is a minority of Putin apologist tankies, and then there are many, 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 many more people who accuse anyone who attributes any causal complicity to the historic role of the U.S. and NATO of being Putin apologist tankies. So on the one side, there's sort of a crude anti-imperialist line that sees the U.S. as the only agentive power in the world and frames Russia 
as acting purely rationally and reactively and even justly in response to NATO expansion. And then there's the dominant position, which is the one held by liberals and many conservatives, who claim that the West bears no responsibility and that this that this invasion was inevitable given Putin's long-term and irrepressible desire to rebuild the Soviet empire or to manage domestic politics or perhaps, have, as we've touched on, because he's simply maybe lost his mind a bit. How do you see the state of affairs and how do you appraise the state of the, the discourse? Good question. I mean, I think there is a, a problem here which we've encountered with every conflict, every war that the West has launched, that any attempt to contextualize, to situate historically, to measure responsibility gets deemed some kind of appeasement, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's almost by design, designed to shut out anti-war voices. And I think we have to push very hard to maintain a uh, consistent anti-war position against all wars, which is frankly the decent left position in general. I kind of, I do understand the, there's a kind of moral kind of basic imperative going on here, which is who is being bombed and who is doing the bombing. And so from that point of view, there is something gravitational pull in terms of the liberal view of we must support Ukraine. This is Russian aggression. Uh, this should not be allowed to stand, etc. And I think, you know, there's a reason that has moral force beyond the dominance of liberal views in, in the media sphere, right? And there is something morally compelling about that. Um, especially for, I mean, from my point of view, in terms of solidarity with ordinary Ukrainians who are being bombed, I definitely feel that. And I think, you know, we should find ways of, for example, of, I mean, there is a degree to which the hypocrisy of Western governments in terms of their um, immigration policy needs to be attacked. Um, and not just for refugees from Ukraine, incidentally, but also refugees from other conflict zones that the West has created, certainly Syria, Libya, uh, the entire Middle East, frankly, uh, Afghanistan, notably. I think in terms of having a solid kind of developed critique, I think one thing I've been thinking a lot about is, is unfortunately, World War One, right? And, and whether we are in a situation here where a regional conflict could escalate dramatically through the involvement of multiple more powers through alliances and connections like that. And I, th I guess, you know, this is maybe a little abstract answer to, to that kind of critique, but I feel like in a very narrow sense, you could say World War I was caused by X power invading Y, right? But I think, I guess I would ask those people, is that really what you think happened with World War I? Do you really think there was no prior context? There was no buildup of imperialist rivalry? There was literally these events in 1914 happened in a vacuum. And I think actually anyone who's thought about this does understand that there was a buildup of imperial tensions before that that made that context for that war to break out, right? I hope not, but I think we could be looking at something similar here where there is a creation of a context of tension within which one power then commits an aggressive act that unleashes a wider conflict. So I think I would say there is. it's definitely clear that Russia bears responsibility for this war in the sense of launching an aggression against Ukraine. And that's unambiguously true. And I think I don't think the left should have a problem saying that. But there is a broader historical responsibility here in terms of Russia is not acting in a vacuum. And what is it that makes that decision by the Russians, again, an aggressive decision to invade, which I think is a criminal one, not least for Russia itself. But what is it that makes that decision happen? And what role has everyone else played in creating that? And I think this discourse of appeasement and shutting down discussions of context, that kind of line of critique is designed to shut down those kind of inquiries because any self-examination on the part of Western powers should not, is not to be allowed. Well, Tony Wood, thanks very much. Thank you. 
That's it for this special Ukraine edition of the Labor Radio Podcast Weekly, a roundup of highlights from just a few of the nearly 150 labor radio shows and podcasts that make up the Labor Radio Podcast Network. Remember, we've got links to the shows you heard today in the show notes for this podcast. You'll find all the network shows at laborradionetwork.org, and you can also find them by using the hashtag LaborRadioPod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. This special edition of the Labor Radio Podcast Weekly was edited by Patrick Dixon and Mel Smith. I produce the show and our social media guru, as always, is Mr. Harold Phillips. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Labor Radio Net. Find out more on our website at laborradionetwork.org. Be sure to tune in Friday for our regular show for Labor Radio Podcast Weekly. This is Chris Garlock. Stay active and stay tuned to your local Labor Radio Podcast show.